Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents part one of the series, What If Psalm 91 Was Really True? We're a church, growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister, and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Let me hear you. Woohoo! So today, we're starting a series, and honestly, I do not know how long this series is going to go. We're going to go until we're done, but I know it's going to be more than one service. And the topic is, it's kind of a rhetorical question, what if Psalm 91 was really true? How differently would we live our lives if we really believed that Psalm 91 was the true Word of God? Amen? Now, Psalm 91 is a very familiar psalm, and it's quoted often. It's the go-to protection psalm that most of us use that have been in the Word for any length of time when we're facing dangerous circumstances or potentially dangerous circumstances, we pull out Psalm 91, as we should. Amen? Now, it is believed, this is awesome, this is new revelation for me, it is believed that Psalm 91 was written by Moses, which is interesting when you consider that Moses lived to the age of 120, and at that age, the Bible says, his eyesight was not dimmed, nor his natural strength abated. Amen? That's Deuteronomy 34.7. Now, let me just take a Holy Ghost detour. You know, I entered my 60s recently, and the devil tried to tell me, well, you know, well, you know, you're in your 60s now, so you can expect this to happen, and this to happen, and this to happen to your body. And I was ready for it. You know what I said? No, sir, that's not going to be the case with me. I embraced the spirit of Caleb, who was 85 years old, and he went to Joshua and said, 40 years ago, you promised me this mountain. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. He took a band of men up that mountain, and he slew the giants that had that mountain and made it his own at 85 years old. He said, I'm as strong as I was in my 40s. Amen. That's my confession. Now, this is the confession of a man that wasn't even born again, filled with the Spirit like you and I. How much more should we be able to say we embrace the strength of Caleb? Hallelujah. Because he had it upon, but we have it within and upon. Hallelujah. We have the anointing within and the anointing upon. That will strengthen and keep your body strong so that you live out the number of your days and do the thing that God called you to do and become the man or woman that God called you to become. Amen? Amen. So I don't listen to the lies of the devil. And when those drug commercials and those sickness commercials come on, I go right for the mute button. So does my wife because we ain't listening to that mess. My favorite, quote unquote, is the one where the lady holds up the smiley face. Y'all seen that one? Depression commercial, yeah. This is just a face that I hold up to the world. Find out what the Word of God says about that. Hallelujah. Get saved so you can say I'm a new creature on the inside and everything I need for life and godliness has been supplied by Him for me. Hallelujah. I got no reason to be depressed because God is with me, He is for me, and He is in me. Amen. That's what we say. When those drug commercials come on, 
if I can't reach the mute button because the remote is hidden, you know, you know how the remote runs off sometimes and you have to go find it. I'll just holler back. No, that's not going to happen with me. I am strong and I am healthy. Hallelujah. She's like, my wife is like, you're talking real loud, baby. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we, we, you know, we do this. La, 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 la. Fingers in the ears. La, 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 la. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. That doesn't apply to me. No wonder this nation is sick and spending trillions of dollars a year on health care. They have spurned the flow of health that comes from the Father God. They do not know that Jesus paid the price so that they might be saved, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. But we know and we declare and we live in that health. Amen. This is a good rabbit path, isn't it? Amen. You know, sometimes rabbit paths are a waste of time, but sometimes you catch juicy rabbits. Amen. This is one of those times. Glory to God. So now we got the spirit of Caleb that I just mentioned. Now I want to talk about the spirit of Moses. Moses, at the age of 120, climbed Mount Nebo, which is in modern-day Jordan. It's 2,330 feet above sea level at the summit. And he got a view of the promised land from east to west and then laid down and died at the instruction of the Lord. Now, how many here, on the day you're going to die, would say yes to the Lord when he says, I want you to climb a 2,330-foot mountain? You can only say yes to that if you're able to. Hallelujah. That tells me that Moses died fully strong and fully capable. It's just that God's purpose for him was done. The number of his days was fulfilled and it was time for him to go. But he didn't go sick. He didn't go weak and he didn't go feeble. Hallelujah. He went after climbing a mountain. Hallelujah. And he was 120 years old. So. I got some real good slides for you. Go back to the first one. Hallelujah. That one right there. And that, supposedly, from my research, is the pinnacle of Mount Nebo. And if you stand on top of that and you look from the east to the west, you see the next one, which is a view of the Dead Sea and the Promised Land on the other side. That's what Moses saw before he died after he spent an afternoon climbing a 2,330-foot mountain. Now, I did the math. At one mile an hour, believe it or not, it's pretty hard to sustain when you're climbing a mountain. At one mile an hour, it would take you about a half an hour to climb up that mountain. That's without stops, without rest. So he climbed for a half an hour at least. At age 120, his natural strength was not abated, nor was his eyesight dimmed. So he was able to get on top of that mountain and see the promised land. Amen. Glory to God. If Moses, again, I say a man that was not born again and was not filled with the Holy Spirit like we are. If he can be like that and live in that kind of strength and vitality, how much more should we and could we if we really believe Psalm 91 was true? Amen. So as we study Psalm 91, keep in mind that Moses most probably was the author of Psalm 91. So he was writing about strength and vitality and health and protection as a personal testimony. Amen. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. You know, you can be older and not old. How old are you on the inside? That's the important thing. Our pastor's wife in Louisiana used to say it like this. If you didn't know how old you were, how old would you be? You determine how old you are on the inside. You know, Trisha and I, we're, when we started this church, the first thing I said to the Lord was, okay, Lord, this normally is something that you would give to a 35 or a 40-year-old starting a church from ground zero with no one except two other people besides us, Russ and Frankie. Raise your hand back there. Founding members of Faith Life Fellowship. I said, Lord, I just turned 60, and you're telling me to start a church? He said, yeah, what of it? All right, then. Glory to God. If you're telling me to start a church at my age, then I'm going to have to stop acting my age. (laughs) I never have, if you ask my wife. I've always been 20 years behind the curve, amen. The way I, you know, my appearance, I've always looked young and I've always been crazy and zany and irresponsible and uh, wacky like young people are, amen? So, amen. You got to take the good with the bad, you know what I'm saying? I guess what I'm saying is be as old as you feel you are. On the inside, I feel about 35, 40. Amen. Physically, I feel about 40. And this is a testimony and I don't know if we'll include this on the podcast or not, but, you know, when I was 30 years old, I bench pressed 300 pounds for the first time ever in my life. I'm 63 now, and I'm still a 300-pound bencher. You know, that may not sound like much to some of you, but to me, that's a testimony to the power of God in my life. Amen? I saw a video of a 70-year-old bodybuilder, and he was massive. And he wasn't like old muscle looking. He was like a 70-year-old head on a 35-year-old body. (laughs) I said, that's me, baby, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I receive that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. That was all introduction, and we're not done yet. So I asked the question, Do we really believe Psalm 91 is true for us like it was for Moses? Or do we just pay lip service to it when we feel we need a little extra protection from the Lord? Lately, I've been meditating on Psalm 91 and wondering about some of these things. So I thought we should spend some time digging into it a little deeper. Amen. And if God's prompting me to do that, I've learned as a pastor that more often than not, It's not just for me, it's for my people too, amen? So I'm going to share some things that the Lord has shared with me. Some of them might be review, and some of them might be original revelation for you. So I want to kick off this series with a reading of the psalm, Psalm 91, in its entirety. We'll use the King James Version as a launch point, and we'll go from there as we take a closer look at this amazing and powerful psalm. And when we read it, I want you to keep in the back of your mind This was written by Moses, who lived to be 120 years old and was strong. He was full of vitality, had perfect eyesight at that age. Amen. Hallelujah. So Psalm 91 in the 
King James Version. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you something right off the bat. This word right here that's translated salvation is the Hebrew word Yeshua. So let me read that again. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my Yeshua. Show him my Jesus. Amen. Psalm 91 is a picture of what Jesus bought and paid for for you. So think of Moses as the author, but think of Jesus as the central focus of Psalm 91. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my Yeshua. Amen. The name Jesus, the Hebrew name Yeshua, means salvation. In every sense of the word, spirit, soul, and body. So it's fitting that this wonderful psalm ends showing us Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So now we'll circle back, and we're going to go verse by verse, and we're going to go as long as it takes to go through the entire psalm and find out what we can learn. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 1, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's a hallelujah stop right there. Amen. Glory to God. That word there, secret place, actually means a covert hiding place. Amen. And that word that's translated Almighty is the Hebrew word Shaddai. It means the Almighty. Amen. So if you dwell in the secret place or the covert hiding place of the Most High, you have placed yourself under the shade or under the protective covering of Shaddai, the Almighty. Amen. So the logical question, it seems to me, is how exactly do we place ourselves into that secret place? Amen. How do we get there? 
I think you find the answer in the very next verse. Verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. Amen. You make a declaration of your faith, you believe it in your heart, and you confess it with your mouth, so you receive the benefits of the secret place the same way you receive anything else you've received from the Lord by believing it in your heart and confessing it with your mouth. Amen. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. And in Him, I will trust. Amen. You place yourself under the protective covering of Almighty God the same way you appropriate all the other promises of God that have been secured for you through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Amen. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that you are saved, healed, and delivered. As it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The key word there is saved. In the Greek, it is the Greek verb sozo. And sozo means to be saved, healed, delivered, protected from physical harm, to be made whole. Amen. It is salvation in the most complete sense. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen. So in order to understand these things better, we need to begin to broaden our definition of biblical salvation. It's not just saving you from your sins. It's not just keeping you out of hell. There's more to it that was bought and paid for by Jesus Christ for you. I said this last week when we finished up Alien Evasion. Listen, everything that belongs to you has already been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. And the only thing you do not currently have is your new body. Amen. You got everything else. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of course, so-so, to be saved, refers to spiritual salvation. But it's also clear from the original language that salvation is meant to be salvation of the spirit, soul, and body. It brings to mind the Hebrew concept of shalom. Shalom is far more than just peace. Shalom means wholeness in every sense of the word. Nothing is missing and nothing is broken. Shalom. You are whole. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Hallelujah. So the same way you receive spiritual salvation and peace of mind, you receive healing for your body and protection from physical harm by meditating on the same promises. Amen. It's all part of the same deal. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. To be sure, enter into the secret place is a byproduct of worship because the more you worship, the more you enter into the secret place of God's presence. And when you spend time in his presence habitually, You are reminded of his promises. You hear his word. You sense that protecting shield around you. So I want to say that I believe the primary way that you get into that secret place is by faith. Hallelujah. And when you enter into worship, 
All you do is remind yourself of the promises of God. One of which is protection, preservation from physical harm. Is everybody with me? and, And I say that because some people teach it this way. That the secret place is reserved for those people who spend a lot of time privately and corporately in worship. Those people are specially protected. Okay. And I don't believe that's correct because the emphasis then is placed on your performance. And we can never, never, ever rest our salvation on our performance. It's on what Jesus did. Right. It's what he did. Now, listen, I'm a worshiper. I am. I worship all the time. I, it's just in me. But when I worship, I hear the voice of God. Say, you are my beloved. I will protect you. I will keep you in the secret place. I will cover you under my wings. Nothing shall harm you. So the word that I do know comes alive when I'm worshiping him. And I can believe for that shield of protection to be around me at all times. Because you don't know when danger or something harmful is going to strike. You may be in the midst of worship. You may be just uh, daydreaming, you know. But I say, if you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord, he has saved you spirit, soul, and body. When the time comes, when physical harm comes your way, you can say, I plead the blood of Jesus and the protection that was bought for me by him. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. It'll be there for you. And the Bible says later on, the angels will be there for you too. Amen. Glory to God. I hope everybody followed. I don't want to get legalistic any more than the people who spend time worshiping God a lot are more saved than we are. They're no more protected than we are if they're putting their faith in the time they spend in his presence. Put your faith in the finished work of Christ and what he did. Amen. For salvation, spirit, soul, and body. All right. I think I made that clear. I saw some head nods, so I'm going on. Hallelujah. And I heard a cash register. Cha-ching. It went cha-ching in somebody's mind. It was the kids' cash register back there. Hallelujah. Lord, may there be many more cha-chings as we go along here. Hallelujah. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Now, this is King James. I'm going to help you a little bit with it. The snare of the fowler actually refers to hunters who made their living trapping birds. Amen. So the snare refers to a trap that is set cleverly to attract birds and then to trap them. Amen. Hallelujah. So. The snare of the fowler is a bird trap. And noisome pestilence means a deadly or destructive plague. So the snare of the fowler, you got a bird who innocently checks out some bait of some kind, and suddenly he finds himself trapped with no way out. The trap is sprung, and he's got no way out. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're just going about your way in life and circumstances seem to pounce on you and suddenly you feel trapped with no way out, Jesus is your way out. Amen. Jesus has already promised you he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. 
If you feel trapped this morning, and I feel in my spirit there are people here, you feel trapped. You feel like there's no way out. You know, the next time the devil tells you there's no way you're getting out of this, say, yes, there is a way. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Jesus will get you out of the snare of the fowler. He'll either help you avoid the trap altogether, or after you feel trapped, he will deliver you out. He will show you the way out. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So declare this promise of God over yourself. Surely God will deliver me out of this hidden trap of the enemy. He'll show me the way out. Amen. If you get a bad report from the doctor and he says you have a deadly disease, declare this promise of God over your body. Surely he shall deliver me from the destructive and deadly disease and I shall be made whole. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I can tell we're not going to get very far today, but that's okay. Verse four. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Glory to God. Now, this doesn't mean that God is a great big chicken. But metaphorically speaking, God does long to watch over us like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Amen? He wants to hold us and protect us and embrace us as His beloved. Amen? It's a wonderful picture. Amen. Glory to God. Matthew 23, 37. Jesus expressed this verbally on the Mount of Olives as he was about to enter into the Golden Gate on Palm Sunday. He crested the Mount of Olives. He looked down on the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says, this is in Matthew 23, he wept over the city. And this is what he said in the message translation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, murderer of prophets, killer of the ones who brought you God's news. How often I've ached to embrace your children the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you wouldn't let me. I tell you what, every time I read that passage, tears come to my eyes because I can, I can feel the heart of Jesus breaking for the city of Jerusalem. Because later on, he prophesied, not one stone will be left upon another and this city will be raised. It will be destroyed. Raised, R-A-Z-E-D. It means brought to utter destruction. And it broke his heart because he knew he had to prophesy that over the city of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Anybody besides me ever wonder what a buckler is? Is that a belt buckle maker? Makes those big cowboy belt buckles? I'm a buckler. Look at my work. No, it's not. If you look at the armor and the weapons that they fought with back in biblical days, they usually had a main shield. And if you were right-handed, you held that shield in your left arm and it protected your body and your vital organs. Then you had your right hand, which was your sword hand, and there was a buckler. A buckler was what they called a hand shield. It covered the hand with which you bore the sword and protected your hand and your forearm 
from strikes of the enemy so you could wield that sword without sustaining injury yourself. So if you think about that, you got a shield, which is your main defensive protection, and then you got a hand shield that allows you to use the offensive weapon of the Word of God. Amen? You have the shield of faith, which is defensive in nature, and then you have the sword of the Word, which is offensive in nature, and His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many learned something this morning? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because you always want to be able to wield the Word of God. So you've got to have that buckler to protect your hand and your forearm so you can wield that sword effectively. Hallelujah. Devastate the enemy. Glory to God. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Now, first of all, I believe that the reason that this was said like that, it was God's way of saying, listen, my protection will be there whether it's day or night. My protection for you is the same whether it's fear of terror by night or the arrow that flieth by day. I've got it all covered. My protection is 24-7. But he begins with night terrors. Night terrors. Many people suffer from what have been called night terrors, and that would include nightmares and demonic visitations. Listen, if the devil comes to you at night and tells you you've got some deadly disease, the doctors just hadn't found it yet, that's a demonic visitation. That's an invitation to listen to the words of the enemy and let fear grip you. And the Bible says, amen, we don't have to let that happen. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Now, first of all, if you're suffering with nightmares, you have a promise that runs contrary to nightmares. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 24 says, he will give his beloved sweet sleep. So if you've been struggling with nightmares, you wake up in the middle of the night and you've had a bad nightmare. First of all, say, I rebuke the devil and all the fear that he's trying to bring my way through my dream life. My dream life is off limits to you, devil, and all of your minions in the name of Jesus. And I declare he shall give me as his beloved sweet sleep. And none of the things that you showed me or told me in that dream will come to pass. Listen, you got to counter it with your words. You can't just let thoughts and dreams come and go without addressing them. Jesus said concerning people that were worried about their needs. He said, take no thought saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Where are we going to live? Jesus is saying the way you take a thought is by putting voice to it. Repeating what the enemy's told you. Don't repeat what the enemy's told you. Repeat what God has told you. Amen. And he told you everything's going to be all right. I will give you sweet sleep. I will not let the fear grip you that the enemy wants to invite into your life. Amen. Glory to God. I hope I'm helping somebody here. Hallelujah. I've learned from experience that we must not allow fear to grip our lives. Because when we do, we open the door to the enemy and we allow him to afflict us and torment us in debilitating ways. Do you know what debilitating means? 
It means to sap you of your strength. And there's nothing like fear that can sap you of strength if you give into it. I don't know if anybody has ever experienced that where fear grips you and you feel paralyzed. And all of a sudden, strength seems to drain out of your body. Can you imagine young David at the age of about 17 years old facing Goliath? You know, he made some confessions of faith, but you can't tell me that he didn't experience the feelings of fear. I imagine when he went out there and he saw just how big Goliath was, he felt the strength drain from his body. That's why he said, this day, you uncircumcised devil, I will take your head off your shoulders and I will feed it to the birds. Amen. And all the strength came back. And the Bible says he ran toward his giant. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Am I helping some people this morning? Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to talk about night terrors because I I sense in my spirit there are people in here, you've been suffering from night terrors and you don't have the answers and I'm telling you the answer is the word of the living God. The answer to the fear that the enemy's trying to bring is the peace of Almighty God. Amen. I want to share a testimony. I've shared this many times. Many of you have heard this many times. But listen, it was such a turning point in my life I feel compelled to share it as we wrap up today's lesson on Psalm 91. In 1985, in the spring of 1985, Trish and I, I was still in the Marines. We were stationed in Naval Air Station Corpus Christi at Married Officers Quarters 19-2. That's the bottom left unit in a four-unit house. Amen. But we were young in the Lord. We were going to a, a spirit-filled church. In fact, it was an Assembly of God church called Faith Temple. And they weren't teaching much faith, and we weren't learning much faith. We were both spirit-filled. But listen, I'm, I'm telling you by experience, you got to be more than just spirit-filled. You got to be word-filled. Amen. You know, we had a saying back then, too much spirit, you blow up. Too much word, you dry up. So get both and grow up. Hallelujah. That's good, isn't it? Amen. Well, we had a lot of spirit and not much word. And even though I was in my 20s now, flying for the Marines, I'm a flight instructor for the Marines at the Naval Air Training Command in Corpus Christi, and I'm still struggling with night terrors. I mean, I had demonic nightmares. Demons would come and manifest themselves and bring pain and stick swords and stuff in my side and I could feel the pain it was very real it wasn't just in my mind and I had no answers and unfortunately I didn't know the word well enough to go to Psalm 91 he said where he says you shall not be afraid of the night terrors I didn't know the word well enough to stand up for myself so we had an incident one night where we were asleep, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden I, I sensed an evil presence over my wife. An evil spirit was over my wife. And so my answer to that was, I grabbed my pillow, and I attempted to smother this demonic spirit, only the pillow landed on my wife's face, 
and I ended up smothering my wife. And I'm holding, I'm pretty strong, and I'm holding, and she cannot get out from under that pillow. So she's screaming, honey, it's me, it's me, wake up. Finally, I came to my senses. I dropped the pillow. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? And I ran for the door. <laughs> I jumped for, from the bed, and I ran for the door. And she said, what are you doing? Get back over here. So, <laughs> like, okay, you know, I'm disoriented. I don't know what's going on. All I know is there was an evil spirit in that room. It wasn't just my imagination. There was an evil spirit hovering over my wife. So we did have enough knowledge and wisdom to do this. Honey, we need to pray. We can't live like this. I can't be smothering you every night. Because, I, like I said, I'm lifting weights and I'm getting stronger. And, you know, you're not, you might not make it. So we did the only thing we knew to do. We sat up in the bed. We held hands. I was on the right side of the bed. She's on the left. The door to the bedroom's to our right. And we prayed this simple prayer. Lord, it is not your will that we live in fear. Fill this room with your presence. Send your angels to protect us and deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name. Very simple prayer. Okay. She went back to sleep because she was tired and she had been attempted smothered. You know, <laughs> I got to get some sleep. That's, that's true. And so two o'clock in the morning, I remember looking at the, the digital clock. You know, back then they had those little flippy digital things we thought they were say they are just cardboard that flipped around you know so i looked at the digital clock and it was two o'clock in the morning y'all know about anybody old enough to know about those state-of-the-art digital clocks flipping and flapping so i looked it was two o'clock in the morning she she went directly to bed i mean she put her head on the pillow and she was out i laid my head on the pillow and i went immediately into the spirit now after years of only seeing the dark side of the spirit world, I finally was invited in to see the bright side of the spirit world. Only I, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't realize. So I'm laying there. I'm kind of on my left shoulder like this. And over my right shoulder, I can see the bedroom door. And there's this character who's got a long flowing robe. And he's got look like combat boots on. He's about... I don't know, seven feet tall. He's standing in the doorway of our bedroom facing out. And he looked like he weighed about 550 pounds. And he was just standing there like this. None shall pass. That kind of thing. And I immediately winced and I went, oh, no, here we go again. You know, because I've been seeing demons. And then I heard a voice say, don't be afraid. He's with me. And I'd look to see where the voice was coming from, and right there standing next to the bed was Jesus. He had a burnt orange robe on with a sash. The hood was over his hair, so the only thing I could see was what appeared to be a very neatly trimmed black beard and a prominent nose. I couldn't tell what color his eyes were. All I knew was he was there because he was my friend. That's the waves, the vibes that I got from him. I'm here. I'm your friend. You don't have to be afraid. 
And so he walked around that room. And of course, I being the space guy that I am, I asked him, is Einstein's relativity really accurate or not? No, I didn't ask him any of that. I said, Lord, you're not as tall as I expected. What a thing to say to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I reckon he was about 5'10", and I was expecting him to be taller than that. You know? But even in Jesus' day, 5'10 was pretty tall because the Romans were about 5'6 or so, average height. Yeah. So, anyway, I said to him now, and he started walking around the room. First thing he said to me is, don't be afraid. That, I mean, I, we could have stopped the vision right there, and that's what I needed. Do not be afraid. So he started walking around the bedpost, and I said, you know, I was raised in the South. And in the South, you don't point at people. But I pointed at Jesus. I said, now, Jesus, listen, I got to know this is real. I got to know if this is really you. You're going to have to verify this with the word of God, or I'm not going to believe this is an actual visitation from the Lord. And he looked at me like, no problem. You know, and then he continued to walk around. And then the other thing I said was, Lord, I don't want to come out of this vision without me touching you. I have no idea to this day. It's been over 30 years. Why I asked that question, but I wanted him to touch me. He said, okay, fine. He walked around to the side where Trish was. He looked down at her. He says, and don't worry about her either. I am watching over her too. He reached over Trish and he extended his right forefinger and he said, extend your right forefinger and touch me. And so I reached over my wife and our fingers touched. And when they did, he became glorified. I don't know how to explain it. But he went from a natural guy wearing a a burnt orange robe. He started to shine. And he began to shine and shine and shine until the only thing I could see was a little bit of his forearm and the end of his finger. And then when our fingers touched, it was like whiteout. And all of a sudden, I found myself sitting up in the bed with an impression from the spirit that said, now look at the clock. And I looked at the clock, and it was 6 o'clock in the morning. What appeared to transpire over about two to three minutes max was actually four hours earth time. That tells you that there's time in the heavenly realm. It's just different than our time. Amen? So I asked the Lord, why did you appear to me? What was the point of all that? He said, whether you see me or not, you have to know. I am always with you. Do not be afraid. And you know, that message from the Lord broke the back of those night terrors in my life. I'm not saying that they immediately dried up, but I'm saying over a period of weeks and months, they went from very frequent to just almost nothing because the back was broken. I got into the word and I found out who I was in Christ. I found out my authority in him and I did not let those doors open again. You got to shut the door on fear. Find out where the fear has entered in. Shut the door on the fear and you'll shut the door on the enemy's operation in your life. Amen. Don't let that fear grip you. Listen, you can feel it. It's an actual feeling. It usually starts at the top of your head and pushes down to your feet. Do not let that fear overtake you. 
Resist it. Fear, I resist you. I've been delivered. You cannot overtake me. I am free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed part one of today's message titled, What if Psalm 91 was really true? If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. (music) 